Right, are you ready? Okay, so let's start somewhere. I think John chapter 3 is a good place to start with this. I'm going to read a lot of John today. Okay, so this is a very uh, well-known scripture, and because of that, people tend to lose the value of it. But I'm, I'm going to read it, and I want to focus on, on something specific today. So verse 16 says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, that He even gave up His only begotten unique Son, so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, so there's a life side, and there's a death side. And Jesus came that we, that those who believe might not perish, but have life, eternal life. Verse 17, God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through Him. So, Jesus came to bring salvation. Not judgment. I think that you shouldn't be there. But anyway, okay, I'll learn to spell later. Salvation. He wanted every person to be made safe and sound, so he sent his son. All right. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. So, again, not judged. Do you see a pattern? He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection and no condemnation. Okay, so he who believes is trust. So we need to trust Jesus. And we need to trust him completely with everything. So the one person that we need to open up to is Jesus. The one person we need to come to is Jesus. All right. The one person we do not need to shy away from <laughs> is Jesus. Do you get it? All right. So, not judged. Then he says, verse 18 also, he who, But he who does not believe is judged already. He has already been convicted and has already received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. Okay, so all kinds of different versions of what that might mean. So it says, those who believe not are condemned already. So what is the sentence? It's death. All right? So there's either life or there's death. Now, all of humanity was put under death by Adam. Let's just get that straight. So it's not like Jesus coming in, sweeping in like a selfish person say, believe in me, otherwise I kill you. That's not, that's not his deal. He came because death was, was in the world. He took that death that was in the world upon himself and destroyed sin in the flesh. 
so that those who now are united to him in faith through the spirit of Christ dwelling inside them. So they can be made one in body with him and share in the life that he has inside of himself. So we share in his life because we are made one with him and in spirit and by communion in, in body. When we believe in him, we are born again and we become the body of Christ. He is the head and we are the body. We are one with him and we are one with one another. So we come to him. He brings us salvation through his spirit. His spirit dwells inside of us. But he's constantly drawing us in until everything in our lives is totally yielded to him. All right? Does it make sense? Okay. So uh, Romans chapter 5 verse around about 13, 14 says that from Adam till Moses, death reigned. Right? So death reigned. Why? There was two trees in the garden in Genesis. Two trees. The one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the other one was the tree of life. And these two trees are represented here. Do you see? The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was an alternative to life. It was an alternative to trusting God to be our life. Do you get that? So we, when we trust Him to be life, to be our life, we are alive because of Him in us. We are not alive because we did something. We are alive because we are one with Jesus. Okay. So Adam and Eve was presented with this tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. This knowledge is not the knowledge of God. This is knowledge by which man guides himself. And this is independence. And here we are totally dependent. So, for instance, you get uh, in the Eastern cults, and, and I know too little to say too much, but uh, you get people that has a lot of spiritual powers. People can levitate and they can bend spoons and they can... I can bend a spoon with my hands. I don't know why I need to do it with my mind. But, but the point is, um, the point is they've tapped into certain things and they can do certain things. And it can bedazzle people because they are showing power that is from an unseen source. Okay? All right. But they do it themselves. Here, everything that's supernatural is in complete dependence on Jesus. It is Jesus doing it, not me. So there's a dependency. And when we are dependent on him, he can live through us. So we want that relationship. The relationship is to be yielded to him. 
and for him to take the foreground. We just become a vessel that carries him. And we become transparent to show him. And not trying to get our own glory out of it. And trying to say, oh wow, I'm the anointed man of the hour. I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. No, anything good that happens in the life of a Christian is because of God's mercy and God's grace. And it happens because somewhere along the line, this person trusted in Jesus. Okay? All right, let's keep on reading. I'm taking too slow. I hope we get through everything. Holy Spirit, help us. Okay, now the basis of the judgment. He says those who trust, does not trust in him, is condemned already. The basis of the judgment lies in this. Light, uh, where am I? Light has come into the world, and people have loved the darkness rather and more than the light, for their works were evil. So on this side, we have light. And on this side, we have darkness. Okay, so in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. And then he says in verse 4, In Him was light, and the light was the life of men. Or in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So life, the tree of life, is the light. So you will not have life when you are focusing on the darkness. When you are meddling with darkness... Death is what's manifesting. And we can now uh, say, yes, but God's grace, and I can, I can do anything because God's grace. Well, it will manifest death. Even though your spirit is saved, it will manifest death, and death can start and bring destruction in all different parts of your life. Okay, so what's, what's the cure? The light. Jesus. Is, that's the answer. All right? So, which means we need to constantly turn away from darkness to light. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm not shocking anyone. This is not new information. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Now it goes on. Verse 20. For every wrongdoer hates the light and will not come out into the light. Okay. But shrinks from it, lest these works be exposed and reproved. Okay. So the wrongdoers' works were evil. And there's fear... Of exposure. But see this darkness and light. When this person comes out into the light, what happens? The light 
will expose and reprove the works. Okay? Now they, they fear this, so they shun away from it and they don't want it. Okay? Now, if we are totally honest with ourselves, we can all associate with that. All right? Because no one wants everything that you've done uh, made pub public knowledge for everyone and be under that kind of scrutiny and suffer that kind of judgment. Everyone has a fear for it. But the answer is the light. <laughs> this is not going to be bad news, don't worry. <laughs> I want you to understand that you can trust Jesus. Why did he come? Did he come to judge? No. Why did he come? He came to bring, to, to save, to bring salvation. Okay. So if there's something troubling you, who are you going to call? <laughs> Ghost, pastor. No. Holy Ghost. Pastors, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you've got something troubling you and you're struggling to get rid of it, okay, if there's something, you've got to check in your heart. Like, yeah, I will need to get rid of this stuff. But now you fear judgment and you fear exposure and reproval, and you don't want to reach out even to someone who has Jesus, because you don't trust that that person is that good to not judge me. I, I, no, I can't. All right? Have you ever felt like that? Anyone? Ever? All right? And yet, this is where the blood of Jesus is. <laughs> I'm going to help you today. And I'm going to kick this thing on its throat. <laughs> okay? Because people who are saved, people who are doing wonderful things for Jesus, people who are, man, wonderful people, lose years because of fear, because of stuff. Okay. The church is supposed to be a safe place where people can say, help me. I want to come completely into the light. Help me. That does not mean that every person's uh, laundry should be on show for everyone. It's not necessary. That's not what bringing it into the light means. Bringing it into the light is not about... Holding people ransom <laughs> because you have dirt on them, okay? Because that <laughs> that's politics, okay? That's what's happening in political circles, okay? <laughs> and yet, God wants people to be <clears throat> washed constantly by the blood of Jesus. Okay, your spirit is clean, holy, blameless, spotless. But I'm talking about default consciences. All right. You need to stand totally unaware of anything you've ever done wrong. Are you hearing me? 
So why then is there something in the back shouting at you, calling your name? Certain thoughts you don't want to go to. It's like, oh, okay. Like, I think a very scary thought for most people is if you have a, like a screen on top of your head <laughs> that shows everything that you're thinking. <laughs> is, that, is that an intimidating thought to you? Okay. And God sees everything and he loves you. Just think of, think of that. He's not shocked. He's not disappointed. He knows you through and through, through and through. That's why he came. But he's trying to get a hold of you so that you can trust him with everything. Okay. So, in such a way that you can turn to him every second and something is washed away and it's gone, forever gone. Around here, we try to Throw it under the carpet. There's a bump. Okay. So we throw it under the carpet. We try to hide it. Okay. Because we don't want anyone to know. That's a human reaction. It's normal. It's, it's, it's normal. But Jesus wants you towards him to open up. He wants you to open up to him. And he wants his light is to pierce your soul, to pierce your heart. Because we, are, we hold things from him without realizing it. Okay. So, uh, with that, I am not saying, I'm not telling you that you are not forgiven if you don't confess your sins. Let me just get that straight. I don't believe that. Okay, so confession of sin can help you. To bring it into the light. If confession of sin is done... In this context, it keeps you here. The action itself is nothing. Because if there's no light, it doesn't help. If the blood of Jesus is not there, it may changes nothing. Okay? So, simply going in a religious fashion and saying, okay, if I do this, then everything is over. No, no. Because of the cross, everything's over. Now, to trust him brings what he did to a place where you can experience it. To a place where you are through and through, completely free from anything that can accuse you before God. God wants his people to live without an accusing voice inside them or from the outside. All right? So this is what, what needs to, to happen in the body of Christ, is we need to open our hearts and let him reprove. Let him shine his light on anything that was evil in our lives.
Okay? So there's a scripture in Psalm 37 in the, in the message translation. Let me just get my phone because I don't have a paper copy of the message translation. All right. Uh, Message. Listen to this. Are you listening? Okay. Uh, message translation, Psalm 37, verse 5 and 6. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day. And stamp you with approval at high noon. Okay. <laughs> Listen to this. Man, I'm going to bring a, a word in a moment that's going to really bless you. Set you free, man. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day, and stamp you with approval at high noon. Don't let things lie for years. Bring it to God as soon as possible. Handle it. Don't let it lie there in, under the carpet. <laughs> because if that's there, you're going to go in cycles. Before you know it, you find yourself at the same place. Before you know it, you find yourself at the same place. Before you know it, you find yourself at the same place. Remember in Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, he says, The gospel came to the Israelites of old as much as he did to us. When they heard the good news that they were going to the promised land. Right? But the message that they heard did not benefit them. Verse 2. Because it was not mixed with faith. So because of their unbelief in what God said, and we're going around the mountain when she comes. Going around the mountain. So, so they were going in circles for 40 years until all of them died. Right? Joshua and Caleb were united in faith. They believed God. And they said, hey, if God said we can take it, we can take the land. They were outnumbered. And the people wanted to kill them. They picked up stones when they said, listen, we can take the land. God said it. So for that 40 years, nothing, they didn't, go, they didn't grow old, they didn't grow sick, nothing. So Joshua said, 40 years later, standing before the promised land at the Jordan, he said, I am now just as strong as I was 40 years ago when Moses laid his hands on me. Okay, just think of the supernatural stuff. 40 years in the desert, same shoes. Shoes never wore out. We can't even wear a pair of shoes for the year, maybe two. If it's really nice boots, maybe four or five years, but... It's like, okay, 40 years, the only pair of shoes that I have, 40 years in the desert, still fine. 
Manna and quails. Supernatural stuff happening. They refused to believe it. Said, no, we are as grasshoppers in our own eyes. We are as grasshoppers in their eyes. So what, what happened? They believed a lie. So believing a lie falls here. Not here. So things happen in our lives because we believe lies about ourselves and because we believe lies about God. And we call this, dun, 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 any guesses? Deception. All right? So if, I, if I'm not truthful to who I am, I deceive and I'm deceived. If I'm not truthful to God, I am deceived and I deceive. It's both. It's not that I, I'm operating in a lie and I'm manifesting a lie, which places me in a position where I'm manifesting unseen darkness. I don't want to manifest unseen darkness. I want to manifest the light. I want Jesus to be seen, which means if I've been manifesting unseen darkness into the scene, maybe it's time for me to enter the light. So in certain areas of my life, it's open in the light. But in other areas, I'm scared. Open up to God. Hold nothing back. He will do what needs to be done. He will validate your life at the noonday. In the clear Light of day. He will validate your life. Okay. Confession. Let me just finish this thought. Confession does not give you forgiveness. The blood gives you forgiveness. <laughs> Read there at the back. You are forgiven. On the grounds of the blood of Jesus... This is what the light is saying. This is, this is the word of light that is spoken towards you. You're forgiven. Let that word enter. Okay. But how do you receive the forgiveness? Come out into the light. How do you come out into the light? I trust Jesus with everything. I hold nothing back from him. I say, here I am, Jesus. I come as I am. I come boldly to the throne of grace as I am. I say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me. Here comes the, the forgiveness. It's yours already. In God's heart, he did everything so that you can be saved. He did everything for your forgiveness. From his side, you're forgiven. But don't be under the influence of deception and lies, believing lies about yourself. One of the biggest lies is people think they can't change. And people don't give people permission to change because they think it's their nature. And they can't change it. Hey, you've got a new nature in Jesus. Do you trust him to live through you? Or do you still want to be in control? Okay. Uh, another lie. We think it's, we're waiting for it to change. No, come out into the light and let him change it. 
It's by faith. It's not automatic. But you open up. You say, Lord, here I am. With that, I'm not saying you open up to Facebook. <laughs> Please, don't say everything to anyone. Not anyone can handle it. Because they will soon grab to these kinds of tools to try and handle it because they don't know what to do. All right. Judging someone doesn't make you more righteous. Judging someone exposes that you are not trusting Jesus yourself. All right? Okay. All right. Let's read some more scriptures. Am I making anyone uncomfortable? I don't hope so. So if I do, open up to Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I needed to finish verse 21. He says, but he who practices truth, who does what is right, comes out into the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, wrought with God. So he who practices truth, he comes out into the light so whatever darkness there was is reproved and it's removed. And now he's got works of light. Boldly. Clearly shown for everyone to see. Signs and wonders and miracles. And the, you see the fruit. You see freedom. You see love. You see joy. You see peace, patience, kindness, meekness. Okay. So what is the one thing that causes us to withdraw? Is fear for judgment. <laughs> All right. All right. Man, there's so much now. Let's just read Hebrews chapter 10 quickly, verse 38. And then I'll go on to 1 John. I think I've bitten off a bit more than I can chew today. <laughs> now we'll see. Okay. Hebrews 10. Verse 36 says, you are in need of patience, steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Okay, so the patience mean, means you, you trust the Spirit to do it, and you don't do it yourself. Impatience is, I do it myself. Patience is, I trust Him to do it in me. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Oh, verse 37, for still a little while, and the coming one will come, and he will not delay, delay, delay. <laughs> but the just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things and holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no pleasure in him. But our way is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery. Do you see the parallel with the scriptures? And are utterly destroyed. But we are of those who believe and by faith preserve the soul. <laughs> Do you want your soul to be preserved until the coming of the Lord Jesus? Preserved blameless. Okay, Paul actually says, I pray that you be preserved, blameless, spirit, soul, and body unto the coming of the Lord. Okay, I want to be preserved. 
So, Lord Jesus, come. So, if it's uncomfortable, let it be uncomfortable. But I want the fruit. Okay? Okay. First John. I will refer to First John, but I really feel I need to go to Hebrews 12 now. So, sorry, I need to first do this. Otherwise, if I touch First John 2 and 3 now, we're going to really be here till 3 o'clock. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore then, he's speaking about men of faith and women of faith, okay, as the cloud of witnesses. He says, therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin, which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Okay. So, your race is not my race. Your prize is not my prize. So, you have your prize and I have my prize. But we all need to run with persistence and patience. You are in need of steadfast patience. Okay? And so receive what God has promised. That's your prize. So what is the prize that God has promised? To be conformed and totally be transformed into the very image and likeness of Christ. So that you look like Him, talk like Him, think like Him, do like Him, be like Him. Right? All right. Verse 2. Okay, so he says, get rid of the clever sin. Okay, verse 2. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, and also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, that prize is us, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. Right, so God doesn't want you to be so burdened in your mind because of all the things that you carry. He wants you to look to Jesus. He wants you to think of what Jesus went through on the cross so that you can receive salvation. He wants you to leave all this stuff and meditate on this stuff. All right. So he says, verse 4, You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. God knows our weakness. So he did it for us. Verse 5. And have you completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you are reasoned with and addressed as sons? My son, do not think lightly or scorn to submit to the correction, discipline of the Lord. Nor lose courage and give up and faint when you are reproved and corrected by him. Reproved. We can add there, corrected. Do not scorn to submit 
to this reproval and correction. When the light comes into the deepest part of your soul, exposing things, not on the front page of the newspaper, not on Facebook, not on whatever. In your heart, opening up to God, letting the light come in, and being truthful to God. All right, so submitting to it. All right, so, so when the Holy Spirit speaks, and I'm going to, oh man, I hope we have time. There's a difference between God bringing a reproof about something to set you free and judgment and condemnation. Big difference. The one brings death to you and the other one removes that thing from you and gives you life and freedom. Are, are we on the same page? Okay. So, the light comes. Now I've been believing a lie. Now I've been acting on believing a lie. So here comes the Holy Spirit and he shines his light in me. And suddenly that thing is open. It's like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is not right. Okay? Have you ever felt like if something is okay and suddenly it's not okay anymore? Light has come into your conscience. <laughs> so yield, submit, and don't insist on it. Say, okay, God. All right? So for instance, in grace circles, hypocrisy can only exist in legalistic churches. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Have I believed something in my heart that caused me to be stuck in condemnation and proclaimed that I am free? Oh, there's some hypocrisy. Okay, so what's the, what's the answer? Okay, Holy Spirit, I admit I'm a hypocrite. Here I am. I'm coming as I am. Help me. When you come to God, don't tell Him how awesome you are. <laughs> when you go from God, you're not aware from anything you did wrong and you're, you're bold and you proclaim the gospel. But when you come to God, oh God, here I am. Search my heart and see if there's any wrong thing in me. And then he would show you his light. And suddenly you realize, oh wow, I want to come out into this light. Okay? Which sometimes now mean that there's certain things that I need to adjust along the way. And get in line along the way. Are we, are we on the same page? So this reproof, this correction, we can read the whole thing, but I mean, this is a sermon on its own. The Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves. This is consistent with these two. Um, All right. Uh, punishes, even scourges every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. 
Do you see the light reproving the darkness? It's just light driving out the darkness, reproving thoughts that are dark, reproving ideas that are lies. And sometimes that can feel like it's a hard reproof. Sometimes it can feel like, oh my goodness. And then it's gone and you realize that thing is gone. Do you get what I'm saying? It's a life of coming to Jesus, letting him wash through you, coming to Jesus every day, every day, every day, every day. Yes, you are saved, but you are also being saved. Yes, you are clean, but you are being cleansed. Okay? Are you, are you with me on this? All right. Okay, so you must submit and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not thus train and correct and discipline? Now, if you are, ex remember those who are led by the Spirit are sons? All right? So I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be led into the light by the Spirit. So if the light is then going to shine in my eye, I want it. I'm not going to put on sunglasses. Okay? Or hide under the veil of Moses. Okay? You must submit to and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as your sons. Then he says, verse 8, Now if you are exempt from correction and left without discipline in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate offsprings and not true sons. King James, then are you bastards. <laughs> That's the Bible. I was just reading. <laughs> so if God <laughs> if God is correcting me, I want to be a son. I want to be led by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I want to humble myself and receive, submit to the correction. Now he says, for the time being, verse 11, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. So when the light shines and there's a thought of darkness, it's like, Ugh. but afterward it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will, in purpose, thought, and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? The old is past. Behold, the new is come. Okay? Then he speaks of the ministry of reconciliation. We talked about that last week. And then he says... He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God means it is his character, his nature, his will in everything. The righteousness of God means Absolute, pure, holy, brilliant light coming into you, shining in you, and shining through you. So it needs to be seen from you. 
I don't want to wear the title righteousness of God, but have no fruit to show for it. I'm over that. I want the fruit. So for the fruit, I want to allow the Holy Spirit to shine and to dig up everything and get it out. Because tomorrow, I don't want to be stuck with what I have today. And the day after tomorrow, I don't want to be stuck with what I have tomorrow. And I don't want in, to go in circles and in cycles. That cycle is broken. The moment you allow the goodness of God in there, into the light. The moment you allow the light into that darkness in that context. So I say, open up to God. Hold nothing back. He will do what needs to be done. He will validate your life in the light of day. All right. I hope this does something for someone. But this message is for me. <laughs> okay. Right, First John chapter 1, we've, we've touched on a lot. Uh, we said, we, I spoke on it for the last couple of weeks. He said, verse 7, if we really are living and walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin and guilt and keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations which means when i come into the light and i allow his correction and i embrace it the light comes into me and there the blood cleanses me because the blood is the truth and the truth is the light cleanses me from the sin so what happens after i'm cleansed it's gone in spirit, you've been clean since the day you got born again. Marnus had this um, example. He said he was worshipping one day. <laughs> and he saw this box of Omo coming in front of him. <laughs> He's like, no, come on, man. I'm going to worship you. Here comes this box of Omo. Okay. <laughs> white death and white. Okay. So... So God spoke to me and said, hey, my blood is better than Omo. <laughs> okay? And God spoke to me and said, hey, if I wash you clean, you remain clean. It's not better as wet and then tomorrow you're dirty again. You are, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a sacrifice, Hebrews chapter 10, that shall avail for all time. So the blood shall avail for all time. It will keep you cleansed forever. But the blood is in the light. So, when you get born again, you are born into the light. You are born from spirit. Your spirit is now connected to God's spirit and saved. Your spirit filled with God's spirit. What about your soul? So, he saves us from the inside out so there is an uh, a once for all salvation but there's a process of salvation and the once for all salvation is your spirit is filled with his spirit you are saved 
And the process is that spirit and that light which has now been deposited in you now infiltrates every little nook and cranny of your soul. And until your soul is light as the noonday, until there's no shades, no darkness, no hidden things before God, it's just open. Okay, so it's maybe a little bit more aggressive than I've, I've used to teach this, these things. Okay, but what I'm saying is we need to embrace the light in our lives and to a place where you can experience something change and not just run around the same tree and stay the same, stay the same, stay the same. I don't know about you, but I really want the Spirit of God. I really want truth. And I'm really fed up with myself. <laughs> I really am. Okay, so when we come into the light, His blood cleanses us. If we say we have no sin, we delude ourselves and lead ourselves astray. So if I say, hey, I don't have sin to be cleansed from, guess what? Deception. Believing a lie. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything not in conformity to His will, in purpose, thought, and action. Okay. So I come to God. Say, so God, here I am with my whole big mess. He said, you are clean. You are in the light. The moment you're in the light, it's gone. Darkness cannot remain in light. The moment you're in the light, that thing is exposed, then it's like, Eep. okay. So for the moment, it feels like, Hard and it feels like grievous, but it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. So you have been made the righteousness of God. Okay, how many knows Romans chapter 5? Okay, so we have been declared righteous because we believe in Jesus. So are you righteous? Yes. Do you bear the fruit of righteousness all the time? No. I don't. Maybe you do, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just really honest with myself right now. Okay. So, if we just open up to let the Spirit bear the fruit of righteousness in us, man, what revival will we have? Imagine if we have such open, clear consciences towards God. That nothing can shake us. Imagine that we are just so open towards God. That we can stand before Him and no accusation is there. Not, not fearing judgment one bit. But just consumed by His love. Okay? God is holy. He says, be holy. First Peter, for your heavenly Father is holy. Okay. So, Ian, where's Ian? Left for bathroom now. So, uh, he said something yesterday, really blessed me. He says, when God, when God says be something, like be forgiven or be holy, you have no choice but to become. Okay. <laughs> be healed. Healed. 
If you were not healed, now you're healed. So here comes the light, and he says, be holy. <laughs> no choice. Now I'm holy. Sorry. Okay? But the fruit of the holiness is there. It goes right through. So the light shines, and it exposes the works of darkness, and it's gone. All right. I need to move on to the next point. Sorry. All right. Verse, uh, 2 verse 1. I write you these things so that you may not violate God, God's law and sin. So the purpose of all of this is so we don't get stuck in sin, which is on the right side there. But then he says, but if we sin, if anyone should sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, uh, upright, just, who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. Every purpose, every thought, every action, holy, blameless, spotless, perfect. He is interceding for you. If you sin. Right? So that doesn't keep you there. That gives you freedom to keep you here. All right. And he, that same Jesus himself, is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours alone, but also for the sins of the whole world. And this is how we may discern that we are coming to know him. If we keep his teachings, bear in mind, observe, practice his teachings, precepts, commandments. Whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, uh, and I'm acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments, his teachings, he is a liar or in deception or deceived. And the truth of the gospel is not in him. But he who keeps his word, treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected. So how, how do we know? Okay, he says, we need to do what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? It's not that people don't want to do. It's they do what Moses says instead of what Jesus says. They, they listen to the wrong command and do it. So they're going for the wrong type of righteousness. What does Jesus say? By the blood, if you trust in him, you are declared righteous. Now you are righteous. So the fruit of it is fruit of righteousness. And your works change. It's him living in you. It's him living through you. All right? So what is the command of Jesus? The command of Jesus is believe and love one another. Those two. Believe. Trust in Him, trust in what He did, and love one another. Alright? Something that we need to treasure and something that we need to do. So, that's works of the light. So, if I abide in Him, I will abide in His Word and I will do what He says. Okay, remember uh, John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If any man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. John 5 verse 15. He said to them, 
You are cleansed and pruned already because of the words that I've discussed with you. How are you clean? I heard his words. It, the words entered my heart. And I received the words. I obey the words. Okay? And I do it. James chapter 1. He says, uh, don't be only a hearer, but be a doer of the word. All right? Because it, those who are only a hearer of the word um, betrays himself into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. It's in the Amplified in James chapter 1, round about verse in the 20s. Okay. So I betray myself into deception when I reason why there's a reason why I should not be doing what the word says. I need to be a doer of the word. So the righteousness comes to be imputed by grace, and then I act on it and I do it. All right. Is it getting too long? Are you, are you all right? Okay. All right. So now, okay, let's, let's move on to 1 John chapter 3. If I go through everything, it's, you can, will you go read 1 John 1, 2, and 3 for homework? Will you read everything? Okay. All right. In Amplified, pay attention to every word. Okay. Build your own sermon. Okay. Quicker than I do it. Okay. So, First John chapter 3, listen to, listen to this. See what incredible quality of love the Father has given us, that we should be permitted to be named and called the children of God. Okay, so the children are those who receive the correction, right? Okay. And so we are. The reason that the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are even here and now God's children, or sons in the King James. It is not yet disclosed what we shall be hereafter, what, what you know that when he comes he, and is manifested, we shall see him as God's children and resemble and be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. So we will look like him before he comes. Is Jesus coming again? Yes. Is there a day of the second coming? Definitely. Don't be deceived in teachings that says otherwise. All right. He will bring the dead with him. So it's also the same time as the resurrection. There is still a resurrection coming. It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. All right. Okay. Now he says, verse 3, And everyone who has this hope resting on him cleanses, purifies himself, just as he is pure, chaste, undefiled, and guiltless. Okay? Does it, does it, are you hearing? Yeah. Okay. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. For that is what sin is, lawlessness. The breaking, violating of God's law. It's exactly what he said in 1 John 2 verse 1. Being unrestrained and unregulated by his command and his will. You know that he appeared in visible form. Listen, this is really important. You know that he appeared in invisible form and became man to take away upon himself sins. And in him there is no sin. So we know why he came to save, to take away the sin. Okay? So now we know his motive. Right, now he says, no one who abides in him, who lives and remains in communion with and in obedience to him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually commits, practices sin. 
No one who habitually sins has either seen or know him or recognized, perceived or understood him or has had an experiential acquaintance with him. Let me explain. On this side, what is between here is called a veil. And under the veil, there is darkness or a shadow. Okay. So no one who has communion with him, who has fellowship with him, no one who is now come out into the light and the blood cleanses him and keeps him clean, deliberately um, practices sin. So which means if I'm honest with myself and I'm true in my, inside myself and I find myself in my mind, in my conscience here, then I need to be honest with myself and say, Lord, remove the veil. I've been looking, I've lost sight of you. So if I lose sight of him, that's the only way for me to have a will for this stuff that's, that's death. So the veil comes. Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts and minds. People, that's, that's deception. Okay? So people's minds, uh, like in, in Galatians chapter 3, it says, who has bewitched you? Okay? Who has cast a spell over you? Like Romans chapter 7, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I'm always doing. Okay? Don't put up your hand now. <laughs> okay. Anyone? Okay. All right. Marna says something wonderful. Set me free. He says, you're struggling because you are focused on yourself. This is essentially what's happening. Darkness can exist because you're hiding under the veil. Hiding away from the light because you don't want the light to expose the hypocrisy of you focusing on yourself. <laughs> because we're all Christians, we're not focused on ourselves. <laughs> Can you see how easy it is to repent? The only thing you need to do, turn to him. Look with unveiled face into his eyes. So the light of the glory of the gospel that illuminates every person in the eyes, in the face of Jesus Christ. This is 2 Corinthians 4. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And we behold him. As with unveiled face, which means now I've come to the light. Unveiled, I'm in the light. In the word of God, as in a mirror. So I'm using the word of God as a mirror. And I'm seeing who I am in the light. I'm not seeing who I am in the dark. I'm seeing Christ is the light, and this is who I am in the light. And I behold, and I'm transformed or transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor from glory to glory, from darkness to light. The glory, faded glory, that's now darkness to light. There's no glory in self-effort. There's no glory in independence from God. 
The price has been paid. The sacrifice has been brought. You can't bring it. You are not saved by your confession, but confession can help you to bring everything into the light. So, here is an open invitation. If you're struggling to do it alone, come. I'll help you. Because, I don't know, I've had a reality check. And I've realized I'm not where I should be in manifestation. And I want fruit. Okay? Is there anyone with me? I want to see Jesus. And I want to see him in my life also. Okay? So... Our, we've been saying this for years, but our aim is to know him. But he's in the light. <laughs> so if I want to know him and have fellowship, I need to come into the light. Yeah. Open my heart to him, hold nothing back. All right. Where is that scripture? Verse 8 He who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil. Ouch. Takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo or destroy, loosen and dissolve the works the devil has done. All right. So he says, I'm going to read in the King James. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. All right. So, when I was born, I didn't have automatically the light of Christ in me. There was a time where I had to receive him. Right? So, child of darkness. But, God's mercy came. His grace came. And I received him. All right. So, in my spirit, saved. Everything that side. But over time, the soul is being transformed. And I see less and less of the character of the devil. And more and more of the character of Jesus. As I embrace the light and turn my back on the darkness. I do not want to take my character, my, who I am... I don't want to take after him. I don't want to take who I am after the devil. This is his nature. Judgment, condemnation, independence from God, darkness, evil works, fear of exposure, unbelief, deception. I want to take after that, my nature. All right, so he says... No one born of God deliberately and knowingly and habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him, or God's seed abides in him. His principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanently within him. And he cannot practice sinning because he is born of God. Okay, so every time the light comes, guess what? It becomes impossible for you to remain doing that thing. Even if you try, it's not going to work anymore. It's not going to be your portion anymore. The moment it's in the light, it loses its power over you. And, you, and the change is inevitable. You can't remain there. Okay. So, by this, it is made clear 
who take their nature from God and are his children and who take their nature from the devil. I don't want to take my nature from him. And are his children. No one who does, no one who does not practice righteousness, who does not conform to God's will in purpose or in action, is of God. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother. Okay. So it sounds so so harsh because it's just these clear lines being drawn. If you trust in him, you come out into the light. You're of God. Not everything I do is from God. Okay? So when people look at me, I'm, I'm saying like maybe there's a fly flying around and the fly is looking at me. Okay? Or the angels are watching me or whatever. Someone outside watching my life and seeing everything. Will he think, this guy looks like Jesus? Well, he thinks, he kind of looks like everyone else. Or he kind of looks like the devil. Or is it like a 50%, 50%, sometimes like Jesus, sometimes like the devil. Okay? All right. So sometimes all of us exhibit some of those qualities. But the nature inside has changed. So what's the right thing to do? Look to him. Come out into the light. Have fellowship with him. Look to him. Look to him, look to him. If you have sinned, God is faithful and just. He says, if you have sinned, you have an advocate with the Father. All right. The difference between the two, the fruit will come, but the difference between the two is believe or not believe. If you believe, the fruit of the righteousness will come. Open your heart for the light. But if you shun away from it, you will struggle to see the fruit. So now, oh, there's so much still, but you're going to read First John 1, 2, and 3 for homework, right? Verse 11. For this is the message you have heard from the first, that you should love one another. Not like Cain who took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. Why did he slay him? Because his deeds were wicked and malicious and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised and wonder, brethren, that the world detests and pursues you with hatred. We know that we have passed over out of death into life. Or out of darkness into light. By the fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. He who does not love abides in death. Just let that sink in. Do you want to abide in God? Get rid of the grudges. Get rid of the hatred. Do you want to abide in life? Forgive people. Love people. He who does not abide in love abides in death. Anyone who hates his brother is at heart a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life within him. Do you see there? It's just on this side in awareness. So just come out into the light. Let the light of this scripture just reprove that and then it's gone. Just embrace it. Yield to it. Oh, Father Lord, Vazak. Thank you. By this we come to know 
progressively to recognize, to perceive, to understand the essential love that he laid down his own life for us and that we ought to lay our lives down for those who are our brothers in him. You see there, lay down, surrender, lay down. So I don't stand on my rights. I lay down before Jesus. I surrender my life for him and for the brothers. Verse 17. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother, a fellow believer in need, yet closes his heart of compassion against him, how can the love of God live and remain in him? Okay, so there's a, a compassion. If we see people, this is how God acts. He moves and he helps. Verse 18. Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth. Okay? By this, by what? By the deed and the truth of showing love. We shall come to know and understand that we are of the truth and can reassure, quiet, conciliate, and pacify our hearts in His presence whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us. For we're in God's hands. He's above and greater than our consciences, our hearts. And He knows everything. Nothing is hidden from Him. And beloved, if our consciences do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance and boldness before God and we receive from Him whatever we ask because we watchfully obey His orders. There's the hearing His word and obeying His word, yielding to His word again. Observe his suggestions, injunctions, follow his plan for us. And habitually practice what is pleasing to him. Practicing righteousness. And this is his order. That we should believe. That's the first thing we said. In the name of his son Jesus Christ. And that we should love one another just as he has commanded us. All who keep his commandments, who obey his orders and follow his plan, live, continue, uh, live and continue to live, stay and abide in him and he in them. They let Christ be a home to them and they are home, the home of Christ. And by this we know and understand and have proof that he really lives and makes his home in us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So you hear his word. Breathed upon by the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit word is welcomed into your heart. And you react to what the word says. He's dwelling in you continually. So for, for as much as we open our hearts to his words. And letting his words and his light and his life. Reprove and correct. And expose everything that is a lie inside us. We will know him and we will be that we can prove that we are of him. All right? So, for some time I have said something which is not entirely accurate. I said in John 16, he says the Holy Spirit uh, will convict, let me just read it, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Which verse is it? John chapter 16. When the Comforter comes, 
Uh, right. When he comes, verse 8, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. So let's see it in this context. So if there's sins, the root of these sins is unbelief. It is not only for unbelievers. It's not only the unbelievers who needs that correction. If I who am washed in the blood, if I who am declared righteous before God deliberately goes and sins, I am blind and I'm deceived and I'm acting out of who I am in Christ. The Holy Spirit will not leave me there. He comes and he convicts me. He says, hey, that's not right. So I say, okay, Holy Spirit, I come into the light and I bring it. And the light reproves that thing and it's gone. It's brought into the light and it is corrected. I receive the correction. Okay, so I just wanted to, to bring that correction. Then he says, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Righteousness, uh, yeah, sin because they don't believe in me. Um, about righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world is condemned, judged. Okay, so Satan is judged. Jesus has gone to the Father. We have been declared the righteousness of God. We need to just understand this, that we are forgiven, we are the righteousness of God, but we are also led by the Spirit. And the Spirit will say, whoa, this is not right. It's not, it's... Then the wise thing is, listen, yield to the correction. Receive it. Let it be exposed in the light. Say, thank you, Lord, for your correction. I receive it. And go forward and practice righteousness. I need in my life to be accountable to God. It's not a bad thing. It's not a curse word. Because if he's leading me, I need to answer to him. All right? Is anyone shaken? Are you all right? Word good? All right. Okay. All right. I think we stop there. It's good. Lord Jesus, thank you for your light. Let your light shine. The light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Let, we invite you. Let your light shine in us. Let your light shine. We want to come out into the light. Let your light shine. And we pray. Let all things that anyone is struggling with be dissolved and all those bonds broken in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. We thank you for freedom. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that nothing, no mindset, no stronghold will, will grasp anyone. No deception, no lie in anyone's mind will keep anyone bound, but we will walk in the light. So, Lord Jesus, as we have fellowship with your body, we pray, let us be one body, made one because we eat of one bread. She wants body, okay. Let us be one, one body, 
because we all eat of the one bread. Lord Jesus, and we pray that our hearts, our consciences will be so pure and so clean and so aware of your grace and your goodness that no darkness will be able to exist in us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We just invite you now to come and correct, to come and show your light, and to come and expose and reprove darkness in us. We welcome you and we submit to you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, so we have communion here. So I want you to, to take some time and just let God speak to you. All right? I want you to take some time. I want you to meditate on what Jesus did. All right? And I want you to imagine how this life and light, the sacrifice of Jesus, comes and cleanses everything in your heart and in your mind. Okay? If there's anything that the Holy Spirit points out to you, say, come and cleanse me. All right? And just receive that righteousness. Receive that cleanness. You are washed clean, but today your conscience is being cleansed again. It's being washed clean. All right? So that when we walk out of here, we are not aware of anything we've ever done wrong. All right? We stand before God, holy, spotless, blameless, in love. All right. All right. Amen. Okay. So, we, can we get some music? So, we're going to put on anointed music. Music I know is anointed. So, I want you to just spend time in fellowship with Jesus and, and receive. Okay. So, you watching, take communion with us and partake in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You you can uh, get yourself some communion. Take the body and the blood of Jesus and realize the power of it. There's nothing that can hold you down. There's nothing that can keep you bound. You are set free, made righteous, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, by His sacrifice once for all. In Jesus' name.